Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and welcome back to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today, what we're going to be discussing is how you can build connections in the city of transplants. Uh, today, we have a special guest with us. Uh, her name's Crystal Covington. Uh, she's an MBA. She has over 10 years of progressive experience in the field of communications, and her background's quite diverse. Uh, before we get into introducing her for a moment, I just wanted to take a moment to kind of explain like what, what's so exciting about today. Uh, today is the launch of a new company called Blink. It's B-L-I-N-K. Uh, what they have going on right now is I'm an advisor on their company, and they're launching this new URL shortener, which is pretty neat because you could create branded links and with these branded links you could go out there and you know how you have those url shorteners like bitly and everything what you're really doing is you're promoting those other companies this allows you to use branded links and it also gives you the opportunity to use real words within those links too so you're not just putting like six eight nine four three two as your url which is pretty exciting but let's take a moment to introduce crystal hi crystal how are you today great how are you doing I'm doing pretty good. It's a great day. Could be a little, could have a little more energy. Didn't get as much sleep as I could have, but you know, it's always a good day. So you've been go- oh, yeah. you you recently moved to uh, Colorado, right? Yeah, I've been here for a few years now. But yes, I moved to Colorado from my home state of Michigan um, a few years ago, and uh, that's kind of the start of the whole story that we'll be talking about today. Hmm. Like, I, I mean, a lot of people only really move, like, when they have, like, a significant event, and then um, that's if someone else is, like, in a different state, country, city, or something, or when they move out from their parents' home. It's not really, like, a normal thing for, like, people to, like, move a lot. And for you, it seems like you've been in, like, Michigan the whole time. What was it like, like, moving to Denver? It's it's a huge transition because especially in the community that I was in, everybody kind of hung out with the people that they grew up with. You hang out with the people you went to high school or college with. And granted, a lot of my college friends had already left and my high school friends, people had already left and were, um, you know, finding their lives in other places. And we hadn't yet, but, um, you know, it was, it was an experience to say, okay, we want this, Economically, it was really an economic decision. We want some mm-hmm. um, growth in our careers. We want to see some economic growth in our lives, and we need to go somewhere where the economy is better. So we left. Um, we were in the Detroit area, and we left. Me and my husband left Detroit to come to Denver, and you know we had given this whole background. I actually made a PowerPoint presentation for my parents and for his <laughs> parents to make the case and say, this is why we're leaving. See, this place is amazing. You'll like visiting us. These are the stats. We did all the Forbes list. So it's like, they're on number three of the top places for millennials. They're the top places for careers, top places for entrepreneurs. So it was just, I even sold myself by making that PowerPoint. I said, you know, this is great. They have 300 days of sunshine. And, you know, then we did it. I didn't come here even with a job. Um, You know, he did, he was able to find one here before we came and we had some savings and um, it took me about a month to find a a new job here. 
That's kind of crazy. Like to even make the PowerPoint. Like um, I, I bet when you were making that PowerPoint, you were like selling yourself on this dream. Like this is going to be life changing. This is going to be like the best decision <laughs> ever. Um, like how did yeah. how did that expectation from making that PowerPoint like pan out into reality? It ended up being the truth. So I was I've been I was talking to somebody that um, uh, is a writer for this Kivo Daily website, and we were kind of going back and forth. We became pen pals a little bit. And she's in Michigan and in the same area, in Detroit area. And I was just kind of like pitching her the whole story and saying, oh, my gosh, it's like the land of opportunity here. It's amazing. (laughs) And so everything that I believed about moving to Denver was true. and, and, And it continues to prove itself to be true. That's pretty awesome. I mean, it could all be true, or it could be because you made that PowerPoint, you made it true, too. Like, you brought in that <laughs> positivity and just made it happen because you were so determined to make that decision. And it was like, there's no turning back. We're going to make it work. <laughs> I guess that could be true, but I brought the energy of the PowerPoint into existence. Cool. So, uh, what was the first job you started out doing when you moved out to Denver? I got what at the time was my dream job. So I was, um, it was titled internal communications. And that just Mm -hmm. means you're responsible for communicating inside the company. So I had my own internal TV show. I ran the company internet, which basically became Crystal's blog. And, you know, had the opportunity to really be the, um, which is funny. So I'm an introvert, so I preface this with that, but I do like to be a connector at the same time. So I may not want to, I spend most of my time alone. I like to be by myself and autonomous, but I like to be, I like to know people and be able to help connect the dots between departments and, and with individuals. And so that job gave me the chance to really play into all of my strengths including really being able to create content. And what's funny is I became a little bit company famous. So Mm. because people were watching my show and reading my content, seeing me all over the company, social media, I mean, I, that's where I really learned a lot of the principles that I teach people about influencing because I learned it there and I realized, Oh, because I'm, because my reach is so concentrated in this space, I get to really grow my influence and all these people know me even at different company units. So like I would go to Florida to teach a class there and everybody would know me already because they've been watching the stuff I've been doing on the company communications. So that was the dream job of my life. I loved it. I worked it for, um, I think I was there for three and a half years. I've only been here for um, maybe five years now. I don't really know how to count that. So I moved here in 13. So it was, 2013 summer and so I worked that job after the first month is when I got that job so when you kind of build this influence and a lot of people recognize you from all over um, people you've never even met before like how is it when they like come up to you and say hi Crystal I I watch your show it's so great (laughs) like how do you feel about that (laughs) what kind of emotions do you have (laughs) <laughs> it was awkward and stressful at first. I had to really figure out how to deal with that in my mind because I'm so used to, you know, you walk up and you introduce yourself, but when you walk up to somebody and you can't introduce yourself because they know you already, 
it's awkward. It's like, okay, so you missed that opportunity now to say, hey, what's your name too? So they know your name already. There's no introduction needed. They know everything about you, and they're filling in the blanks of your sentences. And it just feels like I don't have anything to contribute anymore sometimes. So at first it was kind of deflating. You would think it would be great, but it was deflating because it takes away my opportunity there to really introduce myself and meet people and have that exchange. And even now, I have a concentrated network here in Denver as a network builder. And it happens, you know, I go to a restaurant or something, and it doesn't happen every day. But it's a regular occurrence to go to a restaurant, and me and my husband are just eating and then somebody walks up and says, I just wanted to introduce myself. And they know everything about me. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> so it's surprising. And it's really amazing that you can have that kind of impact on someone without even knowing them. But it is one of those things you have to get used to and then learn the language of how do I talk to people. And I had to learn to stop saying, nice to meet you. I, never, I try to never say that unless I'm pretty sure I'm just meeting them. Because I was making, I started making mistakes where, you know, I've met so many people and I say, nice to meet you. And they're like, we met six months ago. And I just didn't remember because I meet a lot of people. Yeah, I remember the first time that happened to me. I think it was back in 2014. I was sitting in an audience looking at some startup event, you know, just joking around, going, look at that, look at that. And someone just tapped me on the shoulder and they're like, hey, is your name Leonard by any chance? I'm like, um... Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you blah blah blah. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> then another time it happened at a restaurant when I went on a date with someone, and they're like, uh, "Are you that guy, Leonard?" I'm like, "Are you the winner?" Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "No." <laughs> like they're like, "Wow, this is so great to get to meet you." Then one time I went to like Shake Shack and like order the burger, and the guy's like, "You're," he read my card because you know your name's on your credit card, and he's like, "Hey." Follow you on Twitter. Oh. Oh, Oh, cool. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's happened in, like, so many different situations. (laughs) Someone needs to make, like, a crash course. Like, when when someone recognizes you in public, what are you supposed to say? Because I'm like, I don't know what to say. Am I supposed to, like, run and hide? Other times, like, I'm going (laughs) out to, like, a bar or club, and someone's like, hey, Leonard, right? I'm like, yeah, do I know you? And they're like, I read your stuff, or oh, we met this event. If they say we met this event, I just feel bad. <laughs> but if they say, oh, I read yeah. your stuff, I'm like, um, uh, oh, yeah, cool, thanks. <laughs> we need a course on this. Someone needs to teach us. <laughs> yes, I bet politicians have the answer because they have really centralized networks in their communities because they're out shaking hands and knocking doors. And I guarantee they probably have, you know, teach each other these techniques of how to manage those relationships of people that they may have met once that come up and say, I, I know you, I remember you from this or that. Or maybe people see politicians differently, I wonder, because maybe they know that politicians are talking to so many people and they kind of have that recognition. Where for people like us, we're having conversations together that people are listening to and it feels like we're more like friends versus a public figure. Unless people think they're friends with the public figure and they get the same type of response. Because, like, if you look at, like, maybe, like, Taylor Swift or, like, a celebrity, like, people, like, like 
look at them like stargaze, but then they also kind of like think they're their friend too. They make this little shrine of them. They mm. go, hi, Taylor. Oh, my God. That's like my thing. <laughs> and then, but then I think, I think they like make this like deep connection with them on like some emotional level, which is kind of like one yeah. directional. So I think it's like me and Todrick Hall. I feel like if I ran into Todrick Hall, I would just want to hug him. And then I sometimes I think about that, and it's like you know, if I walked up and hugged him, he would just think I was a stranger touching him. But I feel like Uh, I know this man. I've seen all his videos. (laughs) (laughs) Like imagine someone's just walking up, and they're just uh, they have their arms wide open, and they're coming closer and closer to you. They're just like hug. You're like, what's going on? Okay, now I hope that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm scared now. laughs> I don't even know now. how I would respond. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be so entertaining when that actually happens <laughs> to both It'll of us. It'll happen now. <laughs> it will. <laughs> like, uh, like imagine, like. You were like maybe like Jim Rohn or John Maxwell or someone who's been doing this for like a really long time before the internet existed and someone recognized you, just came up to you and tried to hug you back at that time. <laughs> that would be What if like, they whoa. ran? That would be hilarious if they were like, No, start running the other direction. <laughs> I'm kinda of like really scared now. <laughs> Who do we know that can help us with this? Maybe we should make a new radio show about this topic. Yeah, that would be an interesting show to listen to people talk about the awkward moments when people feel they know them and they don't know them back. Well, one good thing is it's all led to a lot of influence. You've really been able to go out there and create an impact on other people's lives to create that direct connection where others are thinking that you're their friend. Um, Let's hop off to a commercial break and we can get into more detail about exactly what manifests from all this afterwards. Um, If you want to find me online, you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Um, Where can everyone find you, Crystal? At Crystal Go Lead everywhere. Perfect. And how do you spell Golid? G-O-L-E-A-D and crystals with a K. Okay, perfect. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel 
the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim back here with Crystal Crystal Covington. If you've tuned into the first uh, segment of this uh, episode, you've been able to really hear how Crystal decided to take a really big leap, decided to go out there and move from one state to another, all the way from Detroit, Michigan, all the way to um, Denver, Colorado. Not many people make that kind of leap, but when she did, within one month, she was able to find her dream job. And with that dream job, she did internal communication, set up an internal TV show for her network, and started to get recognized wherever she went, whether it was in Miami for a conference, all around her company. People came up to her, and she kind of developed this thing that we like to call influence, which is really what this show is all about. Now, what what kind of happened after that, uh, Crystal? Um, so I, I I think it was a really interesting evolution for me in seeing how influence can be built, especially understanding that the reason why it was built that way was because of the targeting, that it was this smaller audience of, I think there was like three or 4,000 employees. So three or 4,000 people have access to me on a regular basis. I was able to build influence with that. And I kind of got, I grasped the understanding of, you know, you can talk to, um, you know, thousands of people on a regular basis, but if they see you only once, then it probably doesn't make that big of an impact. But I realized it's because my impact is centralized in this smaller group that they're able to feel such a connection and that they recognize me to this extent. So that created my philosophies and I started creating philosophies called the four keys to influence and, you know, really nailing down, because I had already been studying um, influence to an extent. I had studied books on charisma. I really had um, studied those things just so that I could survive as an employee and to be able to network because I was, I'm, I'm a natural loner and introvert, and I just want to be alone all the time, and I wasn't even trying. So I would go to a social situation. I wouldn't even bother to try. I would just sit in a corner I didn't go to parties. I didn't, you know, do any of that. And I realized that it was holding me back career-wise. So I had studied all those things. And then by the time I got to that job, I had the accumulation of that knowledge plus what I was realizing and seeing there. And then I put it into kind of a workbook that I started teaching other people, but I used myself. So I didn't even really know what I was doing when I put it together. I just said, you know what, I need to write this down. Because I'm, I'm figuring something out. I need to, like, put it into a system. Aren't these workbooks such a pain to make? <laughs> I've been working on one for, like, I don't know how long. And I'm like, it never ends. <laughs> I think it depends on the person. So mine's not that long. I just was really super simple about it. I was like, okay, this is a really simple thing to understand. There's tons more you can, like, dig into with it. But I made it simple and easy. And, um, you know, but I also have that kind of brain. So I think it just depends on the type of person you are. I'm really good with, um, like, I learned um, training facilitation and Mm -hmm. 
what do they call it when you make educational programs? They they have a name for it, but I I do really well with creating educational programs and workshops and things like that. So it just comes out out over an hour. I can just in an hour just put out something really tangible. I mean, it's part of my my business. I do um, these kind of trainings and things on a regular basis. That's pretty awesome. So you were able to go out there, develop these trainings, create four keys to influence, and um, out of curiosity, what are those four keys uh, for to influence? They are presence, authority, visibility, and consistency. So presence is basically how you show up. So for you online, Leonard, it's you know, the profile picture, it's having these, you know, being visible, being in all the right places and really creating a strong presence online for people in real, you know, in the, in real life, you know, when you're um, not on the computer, it's about really showing up with the kind of appearance and the body language and all of that, that really connects people to you. So it's about looking the part, looking like you're qualified and whatever it is you're going after and then also being able to show up well. So a lot of what I had to teach myself was body language because my body language showed I don't want to talk to you. And mm. I needed to start changing my body language to have a presence that said, I do want to talk to you. I want to connect with you. And I want to help you because people want to feel that. Authority yeah. really just means, are you credible? Do you have the background that says I should hire you or choose you for whatever this is? that credibility piece is huge. And I always like to use the example of um, those different artists that come out. And a lot of times they have somebody backing them. Um, in the, in my high school days, I remember Sierra coming out and Sierra came out with Missy Elliott in her video. And Missy Elliott goes, this beat is, and she says, automatic, supersonic, you know, and then I said, Oh, she must be legitimate. Cause she has Missy in her video. So then you yeah. start paying attention so you can have people that back you up. You can have a really amazing resume. You can have testimonials, whatever it is, or a lot of Twitter followers. You know, whatever it is that creates credibility for what you're trying to accomplish is important. I and have a question few, about that. Yeah. For uh, the credibility, there's a lot of people out there who feel like they don't have credibility, but they've been like working at their jobs for like 10, 15 years, and they're probably experts yeah. at what they do. But you know, internally, they're like, oh, no, I'm not that great at it, but they really are. They just don't know it. Yeah. How, how do these people identify their credibility? I feel like for them, they actually might need to. One practice that I've done, and it was when I left my job from Detroit, Actually, it was the first time I'd actually done this, but I asked people to write me letters of recommendation, and mm -hmm. I didn't tell them what job I was going after or what to say. I just said, mm -hmm. write what you think I contribute. And I didn't even know those things about myself. I never had a lot of confidence in my capabilities. And when I saw those letters come through, and I had like 15 of them, uh, you know, and read through them and saw what people were saying was in alignment with each other. They didn't talk to each other. And it just, it's transformational if you just ask other people to write about you. Because we can't always see ourselves in our strengths and capabilities. I constantly yes. believe I'm not doing enough. 
and then I'll have a client tell me that they want to write me a letter of recommendation. I'm thinking I'm about to get fired. And they're like, oh, I want to write you a recommendation. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I never think I'm doing enough. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the thing with people. Like, we put on this little filter where we can only see things within one perspective when other people have outside perspectives that um, completely encompass what we're actually able to achieve, which is kind of interesting. So it's always good to get that outside opinion. Yeah, Um, it's helpful. And you were were going on about the uh, last two uh, keys? Yes, and the last two, those are things that I think you master a lot, but a lot of people don't necessarily understand, so they go together. So visibility and consistency means you're consistently visible to the people that matter, the people you're trying to reach on a regular basis. So that means if you're in a corporate job, which most people do work in a job, that means that you're focusing on who are the decision makers that would decide if I get a raise or a promotion and making sure that you're in front of them on a regular basis in a way that showcases your credibility. Letting them mm-hmm. see you and your strengths as much as possible is the way that you're going to find your success. If you're trying to become an influencer in the Leonard Kim kind of way or in the Crystal Covington kind of way, it's finding an audience. Where is that audience? And being in front of them as much as possible. One of the ways that I built my network that I have is I did videos every day, every weekday. I gave myself the weekends off, but I would record on Sundays um, five videos. So I would put them out. Every single day there was a new video. People thought I was crazy. I even had this neighbor that was really concerned about my health because he said, you're going to burn yourself out, which he was right. I mean, eventually your body, you can only do so much, but um, he was seeing that I was putting this out all the time. But putting that out all the time made me visible. There were people writing me notes um, in email and on Facebook and on other social media sites saying, oh my gosh, I look forward to your videos every day. And then that's when I started getting people on the street that would, I would get a message. I remember the first time one ever came. I should have saved it because it just really tripped me out. Somebody sent me a message and said, I saw you getting off of the light rail. I didn't have a car at that time. So for the first three years here in Denver, I didn't own a vehicle, maybe three and a half. But as I saw you getting off the light rail, and I thought I was seeing a star. And I was like, really? Just because I did Aww. these videos on Facebook? <laughs> and I, I had to really process that because I'm like, gosh, I have made an impact for her. And it was because I was in the same place, always doing this regular content that people could look forward to. And you do that in the content that you're putting out on like entrepreneur.com and those places that you write and on social media and that regular visibility, people trust you, people know they can find you and you're consistently in front of them. So you get to basically be on the forefront of their minds all the time. Another good thing is when you create this content, you could always go back and reshare it later. So it kind of makes it, builds up this content repository. So 
Very um, true. As yeah. time progresses, um, <laughs> your amount of effort at the beginning may be very high, but as you move forward and create like a year's worth of content or two years worth of content, your output could decrease because you already have that content created unless um, some philosophies yeah. change or um, some concepts change. And as long as you don't work in social media as an, in, as an industry itself, chances are your industry is going to stay pretty similar. So if you're in like um, mm-hmm. mining, um, <clears throat> like electricity, oil, computers, whatever it may be, chances are your, mm-hmm. your content is going to be pretty, pretty similar. So you don't have to go mm-hmm. out there and change up that message a lot unless it's um, social media because then you have algorithms to rediscuss and refilm and it kind of like <laughs> makes it not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I never you, think. I don't think I do enough of that recycling of content. Yeah, I mean, if it's all there, it's pretty easy. You just um, mm-hmm. uh, you have the video on your computer. You just click upload again and write a social intro for it again. Yeah, good it's idea. Back out there, yeah. So basically, you've been going out there. You've been making content. You've <laughs> moved away from this job that was your dream job. And then you started a business, right? Yeah, so I start I, I started the business actually while working the dream job. So mm. a year into that job, I realized I still didn't have any friends, and I was kind of lonely. And for the most part, I needed both connections and and professional development at the same time, personal development, really, I think. Um, but I didn't know the difference at that time the, between personal and professional development. And so I created it to fill a, a space for myself. And so we were just this little group that would do these, um, I call them Sunday morning coffee and conversations. And we would just meet up at a coffee shop. I just, I knew it was growing when there was this day. And I remember doing a survey to the people who were following and saying, do you guys, like Sundays, and most people said, no, I won't come if it's on a Sunday. And they were all lying because <laughs> I had one event one day, and it was, I said, you know what, Sundays work best for me, so I'm going to keep doing this on a Sunday. And one time, 35 people showed up. And I was, I was blown away, and I said, okay, well, I don't think I can keep doing this Sunday coffee and conversation anymore. <laughs> Not in a coffee shop, at least. I had to start booking um, conference rooms. We still did sometimes small group chats in a coffee shop, but it was always really scary because I didn't know if I was going to have another time where too many people showed up. Yeah, Keith Ferrazzi kind of does the same thing. He's the author of Never Eat Alone, Who's Got Your Back, and how can you look on Co-Elevation. Like, every single Sunday, um, he goes and does, um, uh, what's that crazy thing, CrossFit or something? The insane thing where you just work out like, no, tomorrow? I don't work out, so... um, Mm. everything's insane to me (laughs) but like right (laughs) after that he's like completely all sweaty then he'll have like a little brunch at like various restaurants and he usually uses the same restaurants and like 10 to 20 people usually show up and they just chat get to you know reconnect and just talk about what they need help with and it's like the coolest thing because like everyone's networking together and growing yeah and yeah, I bet they appreciate that regularity, too. 
Yeah, and then uh, like the great thing is because um, Keith's network so that uh, <clears throat> um, so big because he works with like companies like World Bank and all these other big companies, and he's uh, got a lot of friends all around. Like usually, it's like who can make it within that Sunday, and then it's always different people, but then it's always like you know quality people too, and. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Because you're always around quality people, it helps improve your credibility just by association of being there. It helps you yeah. uh, talk about like better ideas because these people have already done things in, the, in their lives, and it opens up the discussion for a lot of creativity. And it's like a little group where everyone like co-elevates and lifts each other up to another level. So it's pretty cool. What you're doing sounds very similar to what he's doing, except for just in another state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can relate to everybody um, lifting each other up, and I can relate to um, being seen as greater because of the type of people that come around. So that's kind of one of the things that I realized people were doing with me is because of the people that I was around, and there were expertises represented that I don't even have, but people would assume but I'm also an expert in those things because of the people that were showing up to my events and the people who were speaking. So it's kind of crazy, right? Resource. It's kind of crazy. Like it's kind of crazy. Like how someone can see you as an expert in the field just because yeah. you associate with an expert in that field, mm-hmm. even though you're not. <laughs> like I'm like I'm not an expert on this, but people are calling me this. Um, okay. <laughs> But isn't it interesting because then you can also look at it the other way. So if you're around people, you might be um, a better person than the people you're around. But then if everybody that you hang around is always littering trash all over the place and every time we see your friends next to you, they're throwing trash on the ground and leaving it there, you'll think, oh, he's a litterer. And yeah, that's true. That may not be true. That's true for the percep- perception, though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the most interesting uh, thing about everything is perception is a lot stronger than reality. Like when you look at a lot of these companies, like and how they're being led. Like usually, like chief operating officers, provosts, and uh, people in those types of positions are usually in charge of the staff, in charge of like scandals, in charge of like um, operations and what goes on within the actual company. And what ends up happening most of the time is when something comes out, the CEO's usually to blame, but then the CEO's job is to go fundraise, raise money, go out, do meetings, things like that, and they don't really have the time for that day-to-day operation. But they get blamed, but that's because perception's stronger than reality, and the person who's yes. assumed to be in charge, which is the CEO, usually takes the fall and falls onto the sword, which is kind of interesting So to true. Watch. And that perception stronger than reality also goes with, you know, for anybody trying to build their influence, being perceived as being influential and powerful and all of that can help you become influential because that perception creates the reality. People say, oh, this person looks really influential. I need to meet them. And now you know another, a new person and they can introduce you to more people, and then you actually do build the influence that you were perceived to have in the first place. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because once other people see you as influential, then more people who you think are influential are more accessible. Then they're introducing you to the people that you want to know. Then all of a sudden, things just work out. It's kind of really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we'll hop off to another commercial break. And after that, we'll kind of get into more of how you've actually grown your business and how that's developed. Uh, People can find me uh, online on like Twitter and stuff at Mr. Leonard Kim. Where can everyone find you again, Crystal? At Crystal Go Lead. Crystal with a K. Perfect. And we'll see you after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Leonard Kim here with Crystal Covington. If you tuned into the first segment, you've really got to learn about how um, Crystal was able to make that huge leap and move from Detroit, Michigan, all the way down to Denver, Colorado. In the second uh, segment, we really covered the four keys of influence. And right now, what we're really going to be discussing is how Crystal was able to go out there and create that business that really fuels and grows uh, everything now. Um, Crystal, do you mind telling people like what your business is about and how it's grown to where it is today? Yeah, it's an association, um, so basically a membership organization. So I started a membership, and you know, it really started without even 
knowing that it would get to this. I was just wanting to connect with people. And it started getting a little bit more structured as people would ask for things. So somebody, the the first thing someone asked for was, hey, can I present something? Can I present a workshop? And I said, okay, well, great. We'll have a workshop. And so I found a space. We, you know, had the workshop. And then I said, wow, this went really well. And so after that, I went and I created this document that was kind of like the Women of Denver Bible of how we would com- how we would have these workshops and how we would always have I you know I didn't want to lose the connection piece of it because I thought that was important but because we were getting bigger the whole sitting around a coffee shop table wasn't going to work anymore and so now I I realized these workshops were going to be great and started and created a system for it of how we can have these activities and icebreakers and make sure people still get to connect but they also learn something and People were showing up. I was using meetup.com at the time, and basically people would pay a monthly fee to be a part of it. And um, that was launching that was actually a challenge because at first it was free and people had to decide, do I want to pay for this? And I think a lot, most people didn't want to because, you know, it's like, oh, are you just trying to get money from us is what they thought. But it just needed to be paid for to keep paying for workshop spaces, to you know, now it's becoming an educational program, so it became um, a resource that required payment. It became a membership. So it just organically came to that, and I did a little launch, which was just as simple as a few conference calls with members, and I told them what we were trying to do, and then I asked people to um, be the first to pay for a year of it, and I got five people to pay for a year, and at the time, the membership was $336. The five people paid $336, and then anybody else that wanted to participate just paid 35 a month to be part of it, and um, the group was then born as, a, as an actual business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since then, it got even more strategic with it. I had some mentors that actually have sat down and taught me what they did to build successful memberships and how they, you know, created something that lasted a long time and what people get out of it and help me structure payments and all of that. And so over the years, it just become even became more structured. We have a lot of events. There's over 50 a year. And then I'm even structured, you know, creating even more right now with working with a consulting team to help make it even better and figure out what the next iteration is and, getting new software and all of that. So there's a constant evolution in growing a business. That's kind of awesome. So you started out with a free meetup. You were able to go out there and start charging people, built a core group of people who were like, yeah, this is so valuable. I see the uh, value in it. Here's the money up front. I got other people Mm -hmm. involved. And now you're doing over 50 events a year, and there's 52 weeks a year. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, Where do you think this is going? Do you think you're going to be moving into companies and providing these same types of activities and um, helping companies grow internally? Or do you think you're going to keep working with individuals? Or uh, where do you see the progress of uh, the future growth for your company? I think there's a lot of things opening up. So we started a magazine this past year. I just printed the fourth magazine ever. And I know I read a stat that said 90% of magazines do not last through the first year. And we did. So I'm very excited for that. And the magazine. So there's all these new 
revenue sources that still allow me to use my creativity. So what's really mm-hmm. important to me is being able to use my creativity and being able to put out things that really help and support women because that means a lot to me. I needed that support and I just really want to be that for other people as well. So yeah. the magazine is like really crazy, smart and um, amazing women-centric empowerment content and we get advertisers and we advertise companies and we advertise people so people can buy a membership that allows them to have a bio now. I just created that just a couple months ago and we have our first few people that joined into it. We have four power women of Denver now that joined in so that they could be featured in the magazine. So basically there's new sources of revenue that give me the opportunity to use that creativity, keep helping people and moving women forward. And it all just kind of feeds into each thing. And as the brand grows, then people offer things like, Hey, I want to sponsor your website. So people will are are constantly reaching out and showing me where I can make money. So I think what's interesting is that evolution of, I don't have to reach out to people to find out how I can make money. You know, I, they come to me and they say, I have an idea of how I want to pay you. And it's because I created something that had value and it's sustainable. And now people want to, you know, be a part of it that are seeing it and seeing where they fit into it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that happens, right? Like, you have this basic business model. People come and approach you, and they're like, I want to pay you for this, and you never thought about doing it. And you're like, oh, wait, I could do this. <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing when you're building up influence, where people are telling you what they could actually see <clears throat> as worthwhile and uh, what you could actually monetize off of. Yeah, and another thing that's come up lately is people wanting to wanting me to help them build their membership. And I didn't mm. even think of that. But they say, I, I'm a member, I like what you're doing, and I want to do what you're doing. So can you just help me take your business model or a similar business model and, you know, put in my passion in it? So all of them have different passions that they, you know, different ways they want to contribute to other people's lives, and they want to center a membership organization around it. And it's not that hard to do. You just have to figure out how you're going to offer value because people don't just throw money down for anything. They put money down on things they believe in that they feel are going to be an asset in their life and give them something. So we just figure out, like, what what is it that's going to be an asset for these people to get from you, and how can you make something that's monetized monthly or annually so that you get a regular um, fee for doing it? And it's like, basically, I think about it as, you know, there's artists, um, like musical artists, and they put out music or or no a better a better way of thinking of it is those musical programs like I pay Apple Music to be able to have access to whatever Apple has access to and they mm-hmm. take $10 for me every month and I want constant access to what they're creating and that is a reason for me to keep giving them my $10 every month so you have to think in that way when building a membership but that's something new that people are coming to me for that I I wasn't going to put that out there I wasn't going to think I wasn't even thinking oh I can charge people to help them build memberships but they just came to me yeah i mean i kind of do the same thing with spotify like i give them ten dollars a month so they could tell me what music i want to hear (laughs) you know like yeah (laughs) just tell me what i want and then like that's it's kind of interesting like how these models work like a lot of people think oh what do i want to get out into the world but not a lot of people really flip it around too 
if I was in that person's position or back X years ago when I was in that position, what did I want? What did I need? What was I looking for? And mm-hmm. so many people have like difficulty like putting themselves into that position and thinking it from it from the actual consumer's point and going, what do I actually need? And I think that's really what like separates like good communicators, good marketers, good salespeople, good people in the customer acquisition circle from the bad ones because they're able to kind of put themselves a lot closer into that um, actual person and feel the pain points and feel the struggles and see what they actually want and what excites them and what gets them going. And it seems like you do a really good job at it to really create this community who continues to come to you more and more. Um, Do you think that this is going to be um, restrained to strictly Denver or do you see potential to like move to other major cities in the future or... um, what, what do you think might happen in the future? I don't think I have the capacity um, physically to handle another group, but I definitely mm-hmm. I definitely will create some way to have people be able to license it because people come here, they visit Women of Denver, and then some people move. Like somebody from Florida just reached out and said, how do I start one? And I don't really have a system yet. I just told her to you know, go visit other groups and see what's out there first and just see if you still feel that way because you don't know if there's maybe a group similar where you're at. And so she's going to do that, but she's maybe the third person that's reached out and wanted to create something. So one day maybe I'll have some model where other people can, but I definitely won't be flying around running events in several cities. Yeah, that sounds pretty exhausting. Like I I remember Mm -hmm. when um, a company first reached out to me asking if I wanted to write a book. The first thing I thought is I have to fly everywhere and go talk about this book everywhere. Um, right. um, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> I'm like, I like sitting in Los Angeles, you know, staying at home next to a floor, the beach. I don't know if I really, or actually, really, it's really my TV. Um, but I call it the floor on the beach. <laughs> but it's like, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I'm an introvert too, so I, I like to stay home and really do nothing. And I was thinking about just flying everywhere. I'm like, this sounds so um, hard. But, you know, it looks like I'll have a book later, probably next year sometime, um, working with McGraw-Hill on that. So, uh, yeah, like sometimes we don't see ourselves doing things, but they end up happening. So who knows? You might expand across the uh state or across the country (laughs) it's possible sometimes we don't see ourselves doing things but they end up happening somehow and i guess it's just where the business leads you and sometimes the business takes full control and just drags you along and you're just going with it and you're like what what just happened Mm -hmm. it's taking it's controlling my life instead of me controlling it now but that's life right (laughs) goes in there any direction um so you've done a TEDx, and you, you contribute to Forbes, and also the uh, you've been featured in places like the Denver Business Journal, and a lot of people would consider like these as different forms of influence. How would you go about like achieving or landing a TEDx talk or being able to like contribute to Forbes? Like, what are there like any like things that people should do? Um, I would say just being present and connecting with people. So none of the things that you just mentioned came because I went after it. And it's people that recommend me, that come to me, is usually how I end up with those opportunities. The Denver Business Journal, that was really interesting because I 
it took a year apparently. So I had met someone at a Denver press club event and um, apparently I made a really great impression. And then he came and he said he was working on that um, piece and looking for someone new to feature. And he thought of me and then he went and found someone who knew me to ask them to talk to me, who knew my husband. And then they reached out to my husband and said, can you get us in touch with your wife? And then, so it was like this train of people trying to get in touch with me, but it was just from chatting with someone at an event and he came back and featured me a year later. And, you know, so all of it is just a matter of being out there, telling people who you are and what you, what, not just what you do, but what you do in terms of how you impact the world, what you think. And then those people those people will come back to you later and say, you know what, I want you to talk about that. You can go after things, so all you have to do is introduce, introduce yourself to people who are um, who have platforms, people who write, and just say hello. If they're looking for guests on the show, um, like you posted in a, in a group that we're on on Facebook, and you said, I'm looking for guests, and I said, oh, I'd be interested, and... Um, hence I'm on the show, you know, so those things just come from connections and talking with people. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, like, for me personally, like, um, I had, like, no media features for an entire year. Then I got, like, two or three, then maybe a few more, then um, uh, jumped up to, like, 50 to, like, 200, and I'm like, wow, looking back, that was kind of insane how, like, that drove up. I think those were, like, yearly Mm -hmm. counts, and I was like, wow, that's such a huge leap, and I thought about it. I'm like, how many of these did I actually reach out for? And for 99% of them, I did, like, like zero outreach, and people came to me. So as long as you're producing work and you're producing quality work and you keep producing quality work and making your work better and just talking with the people who are engaging with you, it just continues to just grow yeah. more and more and more. And you get to build up that true influence that you're looking for. Yeah. And if I can share another story, do we have time? Uh, we have about two minutes. Okay. One minute. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. For the for the TED Talk, it was actually someone I knew. I had I had a goal of doing a TED Talk, and someone I knew said to me, you know, thanks for this, something I did for her. And I said, and she said, what is it that you want? And I said, I want to do a TED Talk. And she says, okay. And then a year later, she came back to me, and she said, you remember how you said you wanted to do a TED Talk? And she had actually written down what I said I wanted to do the talk on. She says, I have a TED Talk that I'm putting on. And I like the topic that you shared, and it fits. Would you be interested in being our headliner? And I said, oh, okay. But it was just because I put it out there, built a relationship, and the opportunity came around, and it was a fit. That's perfect. And it's crazy how things like that work. You just put it into the universe, and it just comes back. I kind of did the same thing with my TEDx. I was like, Ryan, yeah, they probably mm-hmm. want to do a TEDx. And he just referred me to Julia, who's running the event. She's like, yeah, we love you. And I was like, wow, that's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, we're at the end of the show. We wanted to thank everyone for tuning in today. Uh, hopefully, you've learned really how to go out there and build some influence and the key traits that really go behind that. Uh, you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And uh, where can everyone find you again, Crystal? At Crystal Go Lead. Perfect. And thank you so much for uh, tuning in to Grow Your Influence Tree. And we'll see you next week. 
Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.